Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to Anarchists and Androids. I'm Parenthesis I, and I'm joined here by with a Logar the Barbarian. Hello, <laughs> hello I am Logar the Barbarian, and and we've watched the the season finale, the final episode for the season of Andor. So this yeah, we're look at Andor, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to. Like reevaluate my life now that <laughs> we got a lot of stuff come, that we can we can we can talk about though, and and we're gonna definitely cover this last episode. Now, Rick's Road. I have a lot of thoughts. They they definitely got to something that we've been waiting for. I think, and and uh, and that was Nemec. We finally got Andor going oh, yeah. back to Nemec's. Uh, what is it? His manifesto. His manifesto. It. It was manifesto. Which is weird because I thought it was like all written like you know pen and paper but then it seems like it's kind of an audiobook too yeah it's well it was that little thing that he recorded it on mm. uh i guess i guess I, I thought it was just written typed in but apparently mm. it's it's both text and audio I mean, you know kind of like a you know, star wars universe ipad type thing <laughs> yeah. yeah and i think the andor character he got that manifesto he went back to the hotel room at the niamos resort <laughs> and then it was still there and you know after he broke out of prison and he was able to get the manifesto back is that where he got it from yeah from the previous episode yeah he went uh those like weird alien fishers that like oh yes. Yeah. yeah yes 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 that was so so he managed to get stuff back after prison which is, number one i find that a little unbelievable but hey maybe things work different in star wars if you go to prison your apartment's gone your stuff's got you know you're not being able to make the rent your stuff's someone's getting through it. it's going to some oh no no remember like he left <laughs> like they showed him leaving like that uh manifesto like hidden in the hotel room and yeah, then he, he put on the walk the and then he got arrested yeah he certainly yeah. did he certainly so i guess he stashed it good enough to find it the next time through no maintenance man found it or anything like that while he was fixing things up in there <laughs> yeah and so because of no maintenance and stuff that inadvertently saved the galaxy, you could say. Yes, yes. So slumlords are good for something then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, so he gets it all. It's all going to conclude at Rick's Road. It was one of the roads there. And they're going to have the funeral. They have the bricking. So they talk about the bricking and all. I, I want to talk about the manifesto for a minute. Yeah. That's oh, yeah, I, I intended to, like, have it written down so I could read, like, quotes from it. I did write it down. Oh, I typed good. it down. I try, Now, I may not have typed it word for word, but I will read through. And I will comment on this when I am cool. done. <laughs> yeah, because there were kind of, like, anarchistic messages against authority and stuff. There are. There are. Uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I do take issue with some of the messages, but I'll get to that when, it, when yeah, I'm yeah. done reading it. <laughs> there will be times when the struggle seems impossible. And I know this already. Alone, unsure, dwarfed by the scale of the enemy. Remember this. Freedom is a pure idea, and it occurs spontaneously, without instruction. Random acts of insurrection are occurring constantly throughout the galaxy. There are whole armies, battalions that have no idea that they've already enlisted in the cause. Remember that the frontier of the rebellion is everywhere, and even the smallest act of insurrection pushes our lines forward. And then remember this, the imperial need for control is so desperate because it's so unnatural. Tyranny requires constant effort. It breaks, it leaks, authority is brittle. Oppression is the mask of fear. Remember that and know this. 
The day will come when all these skirmishes and battles, these moments of defiance will have flooded the banks of the empire's authority. And then there will be one too many. One single thing will break the siege. Remember this, try. Oh, I wrote down one quote, <laughs> very small compared to yours, but it's a random acts of insurrection are occurring constantly. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems that the whole entire thing that the, the, what we're fighting for is vague. The only thing he gives is the notion of freedom. And depending yeah. on, like, like, and I guarantee you that every side of a con given conflict is usually claiming freedom on their side. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so it's easy for uh, for for anyone across the spectrum to get on with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. This is our cause that we're fighting for because this is the cause of freedom. And freedom is just such a vague, I mean, as it goes back to the way we comprehend things, Ferdinand de Saussure. Yeah, if you say, if I say tree and I'm here in, in Northeast Ohio, I may picture like a buckeye tree. But if I'm down in Florida, I may picture a palm tree. Or if you're in Alaska, you could picture a pine tree. We're picturing different things but because what we've associated with them just by how we've learned to understand that. The word freedom is similar. It's the, an abstract concept is more complex than just simply the difference of a tree. So words like that that are often used in discussions in political context when you hear them on TV, like, yeah, that's right, because I agree with freedom. Of course you agree with freedom. Everyone <laughs> is like, that's pretty much everyone's like, I'd like to see the person who's like, I don't like freedom, it's freedom sucks. Most of the time, the people who are even going after others' freedom sees going after someone else's freedom as freedom as defined by whatever vague thing they have. Yeah. So that's my issue with the use of the term freedom. And but that's a convenient one. It's one that politicians love to use are words like that that are vague and 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 don't really encompass the truth of it. And that's why it's convenient to use with a Disney produced show about rebellion. Everybody's like, oh yeah, we all like that. We're not getting into a nitty gritty here of what the actual conflicts are about and what it is we're trying to do. Yeah, I, I kind of view like Nemec as being like a cheerleader for the revolution. Yes. And now, not like a deep thinker. <laughs> it's very nationalistic. And 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 I want to point out um Malatesta. Is it Malatesta? Oh, Erico Malatesta, yes. Yeah. Yes. Malatesta was very uh very supportive of certain nationalistic uh, um revolutions and resistance against the empire of various countries and anarchists have been in those contexts where the empires come in and you know dominate over indigenous folks which is kind of what's seen here and there have been anarchists who have said okay those are the fights we're going to support because they're going against the empires the imperialist and historically that's something they've done uh just i know that there's all kinds of dogma between between like the purism of anarchism or communism or whatever crap people love to fight about <laughs> at the end of the day what matters is what's going to really happen in the street and, and 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 it's just that simple and those nationalistic type speeches things that get you going it's it's a political speech it's a trump rally essentially yeah. <laughs> Oh, I definitely thing. prefer mimic over Trump, though. I do too. Yeah, I yeah. do too. But there's a lot of that empty rhetoric there. Yeah, yeah. I will follow Nimic. Like, yay, freedom! We'll take Nimic's freedom, not the Trump one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to kind of look at that, and and it is it's it's very much uh, emotion. It's made to tug at the emotions and the heartstrings, and yeah. that's something that politicians like to do. Yeah. <laughs> But there's also like in this episode, like the big speech that the Marva recording gave too. 
Yes, that was an interesting one. And she goes, she gets a little more specific than he does because she actually mentions things that are occurring. Yeah. And uh, they may not be fully fleshed out and they just leave me to ask more questions. But I also tried to keep up and type hers as well. I don't yeah. know how accurate. I think hers may have been less accurate of what I got. Unless you like constantly like pausing the Disney Plus so you can write down stuff and then play oh, a little there, bit more, write down more. Yeah, yeah. There was some pausing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> there was some pausing as I was listening. There were a few rewinds. Um, yeah. More so on the Nemec one. By the time I got to hers, I didn't record the entirety of it. I only recorded snippets and I left out some pieces here and there. Oh, yeah. But like definitely like her speech had like a, such a huge effect on the people of Ferrix there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I almost want to like jump to that whole scene there, but let's skip uh, let's talk, something. Do we do we want to go ahead to talk about that? Because I I definitely because those are kind of the big things of the speeches to me in this. Oh, the whole yeah, thing yeah. gives you a big action scene. They come marching in for that that funeral procession. It gives me a very like Soviet vibe that they're going for. Oh, really? did you get uh, that? Did you not? No, not, I, I, felt like no were... I, I definitely like such a strong sense of community in that Ferrix. You know, you yeah. have a sense that these people all know and care about each other. Yeah, it seemed like, like they got the little red outfits on. And it seemed very much like, oh, they are a red army. They are oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just kind of gave me this little like, are they drawing some inspiration from the Soviets here? What's going on? Um, yeah. Even the language that the I'm assuming was just a made up Star Wars language. <laughs> oh, well, it's weird because like they have a, a written language in Star yes. Wars. And so that's a difference between Star Trek because Star Trek has a spoken language with Klingon. <laughs> so here's the question. Is this and this may show how 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 uncool of a fan I am. Is, is that language defined anywhere? Can someone like go out and look at that and decipher those words? Is there, or is it just <laughs> up oh, to yeah. that random artist at the time putting those down? Well, I know. So for the star Wars language, I forget the name of it, but like there are some YouTubers that like have taught themselves that language and like oh. translate this stuff on screen for the, the viewers. Oh, I'm not worthy anymore. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do that one. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to take the time to learn it. Yeah. No, that's a rabbit hole. If I'm going to take the time to study a language, it's going to be one that I can use in reality. <laughs> well, you can make, make your own zines written in that language. Make my own zines in Star Wars language. The only yeah. thing I can read it are in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but one of the great things, yeah, so in the Rick's Road, yeah, you have the Marva speech, and like basically her saying goodbye to the whole community of Ferrix. And then uh, she starts getting, becoming like really anti-Empire and explicit and the Imperial soldiers that are around are getting more and more uncomfortable. And she's like, eventually like explicitly says like, fight the Empire. And like at that point, like one of the big bosses of the Empire soldiers are there, like tries to put like a blanket over that you know, cute little droid, you know, that's playing <laughs> the, the recording, but it doesn't really cover it up and it's still continuing. And so he, he gets frustrated and then he pushes over the droid and you can sense that the whole community is just like, fuck this, you know, and it yeah. sets them off and they just go nuts. And like one person like has the brick of Marva's dead body, you know, because they turn them all into bricks, mm -hmm. uses that brick and smacks that guy in the face with it. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> I'd say that there's I I I've of the things I've been to I can think of one that that scene reminds me of specifically as they're marching in they've they've given them the permit to come they talk about that and then they line it wall to wall stormtroopers 
and they're they're watching and that's not uncommon for different types of political actions that i've been involved with in the past where you show up and then all of a sudden um you know and i and i've a couple of them i've seen are more uh What's the word I'm looking for? Have reminded me more of of a nightmare type dystopian like scene, like from a movie like this, more than others. Oh, <laughs> I can definitely name the ones that times that, that like like I uh, went down West Florida and uh, Ferguson when we came through there. The amount of of uh, cops dressed up in just full military type gear with the Humvees, they were loaded down, and and it was. It was it was, you know, very similar to what you saw in that mm-hmm. show there. It wasn't that that far off, except, you know, instead of the little cool stormtrooper outfits they had on their their uh, Kevlar and whatnot. Yeah. So oh, yeah, did I mean, they open fire on you? No, no, <laughs> they did not open fire. There was there, there was conflict. I was not present. But at the initial when they were there like that, it was like a big family style event. There was even the Billy Graham truck showed up. Oh wow! <laughs> and every and there was just a sea of people like that that had come for a memorial service for Mike oh. Brown, and there was a lot of but the amount of wall to wall just armed cops it was like I hadn't seen anything like that since I was in the Marine Corps, and we were the ones <laughs> strapped down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's like well I haven't seen anything like this since I was in the Marines doing this kind of stuff. <laughs> and when you were on the other side, yeah, yeah, and, and uh, like when when protesters came to where I was stationed at, we had like they were they never came out to confront the protesters, but they had an entire platoon back there, pretty much ready to go, all armored down. It was mostly the PMO, the Provost Marshal's office. So. Like that kind of thing is really, yeah, that's how oh, yeah. things respond to something like this. You got a big event. There's been a lot of tension. They've got someone who passed away. Usually when people are gathering in the streets for a lot of these events that I've marched in the streets for, someone has died and, and we are gathering in the streets because someone has died. So it's not that off from our political activity that we're used oh, yeah. to. Even down to the throwing of the bomb in there, you know, kind of harkens back to something like the Haymarket affair that occurred back in the was it 18 something like 1887 i think something like that yeah. so i mean the whole thing is very similar to a lot of political conflict that has happened here in the united states over the last 150 years <laughs> wow yeah i want to read her 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 speech <laughs> oh good you have quotes from that yeah so i have taken most of it down there's some parts where i skipped segments especially at the beginning Honored to be a daughter of Ferex, honored to be worthy of the stone, strange to feel as if I can see I was six the first time I touched a funerary stone. She talks about her experience there, and I kind of skipped some of that. And now I'm dead, and I yearn to lift you. Because I want you to go on. I want Ferex to continue. In my waning hours, that's what comforts me most, but I fear for you. We've been sleeping. We've had each other and Ferex, our work, our days. We had each other and they left us alone. We kept trade lanes open and they left us alone. We took their money and ignored them. We kept their engines churning and the moment they pulled away, we forgot them because we had each other. We had Ferrex, but we were sleeping. I've been sleeping. We turned away with the truth we did not want to face. There is a wound that won't heal at the center of the galaxy. There is a darkness reaching like rust into everything around us. We let it grow, and now it's here. 
It's here and it's not visiting anymore. It wants to stay. The empire is a disease that thrives in darkness. It thrives when we sleep. It's easy for the dead to tell you to fight. And maybe it's true. Maybe fighting is useless. Perhaps it's too late, but I'll tell you this. If I could do it again, I'd wake up early and be fighting these bastards from the start. Fight the empire. Mm -hmm. Um, What's interesting is that we do get some talk about, about the economic interactions that have occurred between the empire and them. We understand that whatever work they've been doing, the empire has been benefiting from. They continue to do it, that well, keeping trade lanes running and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there is some kind of glimpse of what's going on behind the scenes that we're not getting a full picture of. As often it's just like, here, we're bad stormtroopers. We're nasty. We're we're marching around so you know. But we don't know what the laws are that, are, that have been passed often. We don't know yeah. how the oppression is. So we've gotten a little bit more into some of that in this here. And I like that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Now, the it focus, uh, focuses, again, like going back to my analogy of the Soviets, their focus on them doing their labor. They have their people in labor and whatnot kind of harkens back to that Soviet analogy I was I thought I was kind of picking up on maybe I'm reading into it <laughs> yeah oh yeah one thing they had uh, like the marching band they were playing a song and then like a YouTube video like pointed out how that song was actually the same song in the opening credits of this episode oh was it yeah because like the, the opening song is di- slightly different every episode it becomes more intricate with, with each one and this one was basically a recording from the march I, I'm going to go back and watch every, and even though I've watched every episode multiple times at this point, because yeah. I watch them once and then I watch them at least a second time to take notes, sometimes a third <laughs> before yeah. we record on it. So I got to figure out what it is. So I, I think I'm going to watch the whole thing over from the beginning, just without any kind of, I have to talk, but just to take it in again one last time. And uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do that here soon. <laughs> <laughs> I like. And how many times have you seen Rogue One? Then oh, I don't. I couldn't tell you. I so yeah. I started watching Rogue. I watched Rogue One with. So here's the thing: every time a Star Wars movie came out, I was there opening night that Thursday night, mm-hmm. and usually they're coming out and around the around the holidays. So I know when Rogue One came out was one of those ones I saw at least two or three times in the theater mm-hmm. because I saw with uh, I think I saw it with uh, a spouse at the time, and then I went. My kids were with their mother at the time, so when we went to visit them. We went to go see it in the theater again, so I saw it at least three times in the theater, maybe huh. more. And then I've watched it many times since I've gotten uh, Disney Plus, and it's on there. I'll go through every other year, every now and then, and I've been kind of watching a lot of the classic Star Wars with Rogue One and other ones. So I've watched Rogue One quite a few times just on Disney Plus now as well. So. Oh. so- <laughs> I'm trying to remember, like, did Cassian and Jin Erso were they killed at the end by the Death Star? Yeah, everyone's everyone's dead by the end of it. it oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. But like, were they killed by the Death Star specifically? So here's the one thing I didn't like about it is that is yes, they were because oh. at first you thought Cassian was killed somewhere else, and then he gets out with Jin Erso. Yeah. I thought he should just stay dead, and her ran off and got had hurt. I didn't want to see him come back. And then they do the big explosion from the Death Star, which devastates everything. And they're kind of looking at each other okay. as their death is kind of just whiting out the screen, which I get it. It's not yeah. as 
not as gruesome as I wanted yeah. it to be a little dark. Disintegrated. I think even if they didn't even make it to the to the blowing up of the planet, I would have been, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, okay, because like the reason I ask is that at the very end of this episode, they have a post-credit scene yes. where they, they show that, that the pieces that like Cassian and everybody at Narkina 5 was making was for the Death Star. Yes. So that was the big reveal. And so what that means then is that during all the time that Cassian was in prison doing all that work, he was making pieces for the machine that would ultimately kill him. Yes, it does. That is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I was I, I geeked out a little bit when they pulled back and we saw it was the Death Star. I was like, mm-hmm. when they first showed him, like, is it going to be the Death Star? And I was like, no. And it didn't look like the Death Star as they pulled off. Like, oh, maybe it's a Star Destroyer. Like, no, it's the Death Star. It's the Death Star. Yeah. I, was like, I was excited about that. I was geeking out. And here's the other thing uh, about this. When I was younger, I collected Star Wars figures. And when the new ones started coming out in the 90s, I still picked them up. And 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 as they came out, I was really into them. Around 2013 or 2012, 2013. I think it was 2013, maybe 2014 at latest. I sold off my Star Wars figures because I was hard up. <laughs> I was oh, sad yeah. to do so. <laughs> Didn't want to, but I needed the money. I needed to take care of a family. When I... So I sold them all off. And I would love to have Star Wars figures again. And watching this... And seeing those cool outfits, like the little red uh, uniforms they got on and all. <laughs> I want oh. I want little figures of all these guys. <laughs> I want little toys. <laughs> but here's the thing. I found out they're going to be uh, releasing like Andor series action figures. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. And I want it. Like, they've got my number. Like, uh, okay, all my anti-consumption and everything. I don't have the money for these toys. Oh, yeah. I want them so bad. I'm like, oh, man, I want these little toys. I got down 45 years old. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. Hey, somebody just, just send me an extra million dollars. I'll live off that and be able to buy a few toys. I'll be good. I'll pay off the mortgage and I won't yeah. have to worry. I can have some Star Wars toys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can record like a special Patreon message, you know, just like send me a million sweet. bucks. <laughs> yeah. And you need toys. <laughs> just send me an extra million. I'll pay out the mortgage. I'll just sit here and make a podcast all the time and get some toys. <laughs> just do it so yeah i I mean like it's neat um i love this and that's one of the things i love is the aesthetic there was an aesthetic that the prequels had and that was not the original star wars aesthetic and for me that was kind of a disappointing thing to see in the movies i was like "Uh, it doesn't look like star wars but what's interesting is how things like andor have reached into that episode one two three aesthetic and have merged it and kind of evolved it to look a little more like classic star wars design wise and make more sense seeing the contrast between coruscant and the other planets we're going, which aren't as well to do, which aren't as posh. And when you see like um, Mon Mothma's husband coming out in his outfits, they're very reminiscent of what you would have seen Jedi's wearing in those prequels and stuff. Oh, like the, that. yeah, the, the robes. Yeah. yeah. So it's very much, oh, okay. That's where. <laughs> oh, and they did make a reference to the planet Canto Bight, which was in the, the last Jedi, the, the gambling casino planet. Oh, was that? I didn't even pick that up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so the last Jedi. I want to say something here. And I don't think we talked about this yet. Oh, I think we have a few times. Have we? <laughs> yeah, about the sequel. The last Jedi is one of my favorites of the Star Wars. Movie. Oh yeah, me too. It's kind of like a nihilist movie in a way. It, <laughs> the I past would... must die. Let it let it die. <laughs> and 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 it's and it's very much gives this message of like anyone can be the hero. You don't have to yeah. be heir to it. And I love that. Um, and and it does like it says like 
the villains, you know, they'll sell arms to the rebellion and or the empire. Kind of, I, I appreciate some of the messages in there. Again, a little more along my politics, some of those messages yeah. were, which is why I liked it, <laughs> which is why I like Andor. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, we should probably get back to Andor and off oh, yeah. The Last Jedi. <laughs> oh, but yeah, they did have like the, the thing, speaking of like Canto Bite gambling and all that, like Mon, they had a scene where Mon Mothma uh, confronted yes. her husband, Farron, but she kind of did it knowing that the driver was listening in on them. <laughs> and yes. On them, and then like... Uh, basically like brought up his gambling addiction and use it as a way to misdirect the the driver guy so then that that would explain like missing large sums of money from her account because they're thinking oh that came out from like gambling instead of like funding their own it was an effort to kind of kind of throw a decoy out there like oh no i'm not i'm not doing iran contra my husband's a gambler (laughs) it's a problem so she'd rather have that she'd rather have that uh, I guess controversy uh, instead of you know the treason one that's going to really get her killed. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so yeah, and I thought that was interesting. I'm uh, here's the one thing about my Mothma story is that it hasn't really merged in with the other rebels and at a point i think that it's going to have to if we're going to go on for seasons i'm hoping that and i know that they said there was originally going to be five seasons and now they're saying three. Oh no just two just two i'm yeah. hoping that it gets more than two seasons I- I'm oh hoping- yeah or, or at hoping- least they have a spinoff you know like have like a luthan series <laughs> yeah i would like to i would watch luthan yeah. Axis, Axis. Now let's talk about the bomb, the, the person who made the bomb and threw the bomb. Oh, yeah. So like it turns out it was his father that was like, I think, tortured and then publicly hung in Ferrix. And so like after that happened, then like the, the son wanted revenge and he made that huge bomb that kind of set off the whole riot, basically. So then uh, where did you, because uh, I was trying to figure that out. Where did you get that? Oh, see, YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to start watching other YouTube videos then before I come in here. So, yeah. so they left with the others on the sh- on the little rickety ship, and then Andor takes his trip over to see Luthen, Axis, and has an interesting confrontation. He knows they're after him. He says, okay, you can kill me, or you can take me in as part of the rebellion. The whole overall arc of this episode, and I think it was kind of trying to say the arc of the whole thing, is with that speech there, and the both of the speeches are like, are you ready to fight now? Are you ready to fight? Andor spent this whole time, no, I'm in it for myself, I'm in it for myself, you know, I'm doing my own thing, and then I think that the end, the point is that Andor, yes, now it's time, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm angry, I want to take out the empire now so that's how we end this is he's finally down for the rebellion <laughs> yeah and he is willing to die to attempt to join the rebellion you know mm-hmm. like you can either kill me or let me join your group <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean that's where it is like like it, it i guess the it was his the agitation of andor a-e-i-o-u agitation educate agitate educate inoculate organize union so that <laughs> Whole season one is the agitation and the radicalization of Andor. What and but, uh, <laughs> Cyril, uh, Cyril Karn, mm-hmm. he also throughout the season one becoming radicalized towards the the Empire. Yes, and, and in a way, he kind of also joined the Empire at the very end as well, where like he saved Deidre's life, and you kind of assume that like he's gonna like be with her in some sense <laughs> later on. 
Yeah, and I'm curious what they're doing with him and her. I've heard some speculation on the internet that they're going to be some kind of couple. I don't know. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, there was so much tension too, when they, and there was such a great scene because like a crowd almost beat like Deidre to death, you know? Yeah. And then like, and then like Sarah like took her away, and like the actress that plays her like was like such great acting because she seemed so freaked out and overwhelmed, didn't know what the hell's going on, and it looked like maybe like they were so close and intimate, maybe they're going to kiss. Maybe she's going to slap him. Like, who knows what's going to what's going to happen? You know, <laughs> yeah. Well it's, well, it's interesting when you watch movies. There's so often like intimate moments where there's like a conflation of the kiss and the slap and that yeah. boundary. I think that says a lot about what we put out into the public of what's oh, totally. acceptable between like two people and consent, and oh, the fact totally. that we've like that we've like sat here and like so many movies. It's like I hate you, smack. But I love you, kiss. No, no, like, no, what that... kind of thing are we getting here? <laughs> what are we telling people about consent and love? Uh-oh. Yeah, because so the indoor series has inspired me to like rewatch all the old Star Wars movies. Oh, <laughs> and so, like, uh, so I watched all the prequels and I watched episode four. And so I'm kind of reluctant to go on to Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi because of what you just mentioned. Because yeah. I remember there's a lot of Han Solo, Princess Leia stuff where they, yeah, there he's is. totally violating boundaries and stuff. And she's like, no, go away. And he's like, oh, no, you love me. <laughs> and when you're a, you're a young boy in like yeah. the 70s and 80s growing up, seeing Han Solo all cool, treating women like that. And then you know that she really wants it. It puts something like it impressed upon you somehow. Yeah. And that's behavior that we have gone on to perpetuate in society. And, yeah. you know, like you mentioned that with Cyril and and, and him, like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, this, there is those kinds of like, you get that in a lot of movies, you get that tension up close and it's good for drama. But what are we really doing here? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, no, I've definitely watched the Han Solo. Han Solo, it definitely has issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Han Solo's got a few issues in a few of those movies. Yeah. It is. It, I mean, that is like, you know, you look at any old Westerns and stuff like that. Clint Eastwood had some really bad doozies. Oh, <laughs> he had some bad ones. That is throughout media. And those were the, the, the heroes that we have to look up to. Those were the men that were the good guys being raised as young men in the United States. <laughs> yeah. And you could like give credit to George Lucas for portraying Anakin in the prequels as like not so much like this good romantic guy that's you know like Han Solo, right? But instead, more like he was obviously a deeply disturbed person. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we're coming close to time. Is there anything we want to touch oh. on before we wrap up? Well, so yeah, one thing I wanted to point out. So like throughout this uh, series, yeah, the first series here, like uh, first season, that's word, right? So they have Mon Mothma at different points talking about their oppression of the Gorman people. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, yeah, that has a strong connection to like the Clone Wars animated series where like there's a few episodes where they show Mon Mothma and like basically there's a massacre of the Gorman people that happens that like inspires the whole like creation of their rebellion or like another step in the creation of the rebellion because you can tell it's a gradual process here. Yeah. So Yeah. So it kind of I want to watch like at least those specific episodes of the Clone Wars <laughs> to see how it relates. I, I, I've watched large chunks of the Clone Wars and yeah, 
I like I said, I have a hard time getting through anime. I I feel that if I was looking for specific storylines, it would be easier for me to get through pertinent points of it. Maybe we need to find out what those storylines are that are relating to what we're watching and watch those. Or maybe it's Rebels. I think it is because I was think it, Rebels is more like at the same time as Andor because Clone yeah, Wars. Yeah, Rebels is more. Uh, yeah, Clone yeah. Wars is previous to that. Rebels yeah. is definitely closer in 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 time frame to it. Right. Rebels, I've only seen a couple episodes of, of the first few episodes there. Um, yeah, I didn't watch nearly as many Rebels episodes. Oh, and then I also want to point out how Mar- Marva, like, there's all so many different revolutionaries and radicals in this season, and mm-hmm. I love like you know, it goes back to our, our slogan, right? That everyone has their own rebellion. Yes. So Marva, she has so much more of a, a person-centered, community-centered approach to rebellion, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. A contrast that to Luthen, who's like so like it's this instrumental, just using people, and so it's. Luthen is watching that Marva give that speech, you know, and her approach to, you know, fuck the empire. <laughs> and the, that it seems to like have touched him. And maybe that has inspired him to not kill Andor at the end. <laughs> I, I think maybe if we took time and looked at it, we might be able to find something there with Marva's circle of influence and Luthen's circle of influence and some yeah. sort of rant about matriarchy and patriarchy that might be oh, found yeah. in that. And those two sides that they're both kind of on the same side but one in a matriarchal way and one in a patriarchal way. And there's definitely vast differences of how they, they handle things and respond to others and others respond to them. Oh, and then also Marva like had a message that she gave to the other guy, Brasso, who -hmm. then gave it on, uh, passed on to uh, Cassian. And yeah, I found that really touching too, but it wasn't political per se, but it was more like her saying stuff like, you know, all the things you need to know, you feel all the things you need to feel, and you know, just trust yourself and go forward, you know? Well, I'll, I'll put it out that is the, there is the old feminist adage that the personal is political. Oh yeah. yeah. So so I mean I think most of the time when people are politicized and radicalized, it's a very personal thing for a lot of people. Like a lot of radicalization around the Spanish Civil War happened around rent strikes and things like that. Hey, having a place to live is a pretty freaking personal thing. Yeah. <laughs> when you're sleeping on a shanty, you know, in a shanty town or on the street or able to get someplace to live comfortably. That's very personal. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'd say as well, like for myself, like one of the reasons I became an anarchist was like seeing firsthand, like the, the dynamics of authority and domination and hierarchy, mm-hmm. you know, within my family and the schools I went to and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like when I discovered anarchist philosophy, that just like, put a light, shine a light on what this all was and how it all works. You know, it's oh, all yeah. authority and domination and it shows up in all kinds of different ways in all the different places, oh, it certainly but it's does. all the same dynamics. Yeah, it certainly, it certainly does. It certainly does. Well, that's about all we got time for today. Do you have anything else we need to throw in there that we need to ch- hit up before we went just, uh, Oh yeah. Just what I've heard. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I heard that season two of Andor is going, they just started filming like a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and it's going to be coming out in about two years. And oh, two whole years. Yeah. Two years. So we have a lot of waiting to do here, no, but it no. seems like they have the release kind of times to be at the same time as the elections in the United States. Oh, <laughs> this will be this will yeah. be interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you have the 2024 elections, and then you have season two of Andor. Oh, maybe yeah. maybe it's a secret anarchist plot to agitate for the revolution. 
<laughs> I wish. <laughs> Straight from the corporation to you. <laughs> yeah, so 2024 is going to be a really interesting time for many reasons. <laughs> It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. And that, yeah, I'm not looking for. I am uh, watching political stuff is my addiction. And sometimes I watch it just for the same reason that people watch sports. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. You have different and, stuff. <laughs> and just watching the conflicts. So on that level, I'm very interested to see what happens the next two years. On the other hand, I'm dreading what's going to happen the next oh, two yeah. years. Anyways, that's about all we have time for today. Even well, enjoyed what you've heard, I guess. Give us a positive review. Tell someone about what we're doing here, Anarchists and Androids, if you like this. Uh, parenthesis i where can they find you on the internet oh yeah i'm uh, at parenthesis i uh and i is spelled e-y-e on uh twitter i'm also now on mastodon <laughs> so <laughs> you can follow me there and then uh, also yeah the parenthesis i.blogspot.com is some of my writings you can find me uh daily podcast here the wobblies and wizards uh wobblies and wizards.com is my little blog with that and uh yeah and oh everyone has their own rebellion Excellent. 